With your latest news, I'm April Cummings. Chief Medical Officer Dr. John Lee says the most recent batch of 292 tests came back negative for SARS-CoV-2, which, by the way, is the actual name of the virus that we call COVID-19 or the novel coronavirus. A quick look at the overall state of affairs right now, 140 confirmed cases, one death, 67 people have recovered, and more than 10,000 people have been tested. The Health Services Authority PCR lab is due for scheduled maintenance day tomorrow. Cabinet was due to meet today to discuss possible loosening of regulations. We hope to hear more on that tomorrow. With that more than 10,000 coronavirus test mark being hit, His Excellency the Governor Martin Roper says it is a very important milestone. We are sixth in the world, number six in the world for tests per head of population. So again, I think that is a really um, significant achievement and, and well done to everyone. Uh, for that. As K-Man moves into the next phase of suppression, Governor Roper says some of the fundamental measures like distancing, wearing masks in public, and basic hygiene will become more and more important as greater numbers of people begin to interact. I think the vast majority of people are following that guidance, but we still see reports that, that, that quite a few people are not. So as we move into this next phase, that becomes even more important um, as we have more and more people out on the streets and roads. His Excellency the Governor, Mr. Martin Roper. Work is continuing with hazard management Cayman Islands as they prepare for the 2020 hurricane season. Radio Cayman's Shanta Gallego has more. With two different emergencies to deal with already this year, officials with the Hazard Management Cayman Islands, HMCI, are hard at work behind the scenes getting ready for what is being described as an above-average hurricane season. We're doing a lot of things such as trying to increase the shelter capacity. We are looking at new public and private buildings as well as extending our current capacity in the buildings that we already have. Uh, We're looking at communications, for example. How do we make sure that communications can continue if by chance we get hit by a hurricane? and communications is down. HMCI Director Daniel Coleman explains the team along with NEOC, National Emergency Operations Center, are training in a number of areas, including Wednesday's shelter management training, which was held on Zoom. And there is a lot of conversation going on with the Foreign and Commonwealth Office and the Overseas Territories. Uh, we're working very closely with the region, um, with Sedema, with the Overseas Territories, with the Ministry of Defense and the UK SAT team, the Security Assessment team, assistance team, to make sure that we're all working together, that if we had to respond to another overseas territory, um, or someone was responding to us, uh, be it personnel or, or other equipment, we can make sure that we're, you know, considering all the COVID implications and making sure that we've got an effective response to every eventuality. Ms. Coleman says they're also looking at PPEs for shelters and making sure NEOCs are ready for both those emergencies at once. Looking at supply chains to ensure there is enough food at the shelters as well as coming to the island. Um, evacuation will look very different this year, obviously. I mean, in previous years, we've had a sort of mass evacuation before a hurricane happens. Uh, this, uh, in the new current environment, uh, has a few difficulties already. I mean, obviously, with the isolation facilities being um, largely uh, full um, because the incoming emergency flights, or the evacuation repatriation flights, um, we need to consider what that looks like. So there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes and decisions being made by the policy group as to how do we deal with evacuation flights in this current emergency. Another focus? 
the sister islands. So obviously the sister islands have under slightly different curfew arrangements than we are right now, but again, um, we, you know, there's lots of preparedness that we need to do with them, both from a stocking capacity of supplies, but also evacuation uh, um, concepts and how does that look like in COVID times. Um, mental health, again, is a really important thing to be considering this year. Uh, it's been a long couple of months for all of us. And I think, um, you know, finding the tips and uh, tricks, I guess, uh, and your own personal plan when it comes down to mental health, looking at your family, making sure you're all, you know, looking after yourselves to be ready for the hurricane season ahead. That's Hazard Management Kim and Allen's Director Daniel Coleman. Officials say there is a special need for volunteers to assist this year. If you're interested or want more information, you can check out kmanprepared.ky. Shanda Gallego, Radio Cayman News. The General Registry is adopting interim measures to assist members of the public register newborn babies during this pandemic. As Radio Cayman's Paula Cal reports, as of today, General Registry is implementing an appointment system to complete the registration of newborns. Parents of newborn children will be contacted and information verified over the phone. Parents will then be given a time to attend the Government Administration building to sign the registration documents. Where possible, out of an abundance of caution, parents should not bring their newborns or other children with them for the appointment. Being on time for the appointment is important. If persons run behind schedule, they must call the number provided by the registrar to reschedule. There will be no exceptions. Based on current COVID-19 protocols, persons must ensure they are wearing masks before entering the building or else they will be denied entry. Persons with an appointment should go to the front entrance of the GAB and a member of the security team will direct them from there. Persons should not visit the GAB if they were not given an appointment as entry will be denied. In navigating this arrangement, General Registry, the department within the Ministry of Financial Services, which oversees this area, is reaching out to parents based off of the contact details provided by the hospitals where the babies are born. Therefore, it is vitally important that parents give the most accurate and current contact information to their hospitals. In addition, only the registration of newborn children is being processed in this manner. The receipt of hard copies for all birth certificates, as well as marriage and death certificates, continues to be done through the previously announced policy of online ordering and curbside pickup. Details of this policy can be found on the General Registry website. For Radio K-Man News, I'm Paula Cal. Police are on the hunt for a 43-year-old Georgetown man. They say Simon Newball assaulted officers with pepper spray and brandished a machete yesterday as officers responded to a call. Mr. Newball is approximately 5 foot 6 inches tall, slim, with a light brown complexion. He is believed to be armed and dangerous and therefore should not be approached by members of the public. If you see him, call 911. Two recent decisions on freedom of information appeals by the ombudsman are helping to clarify when government's internal discussions are protected from disclosure and when information around those matters should be released to the public. Here's Radio Cayman's Dion England with more. Section 20 of the Freedom of Information Law creates an exemption to the general right of access to information to ensure that the free and frank exchange of views for the purposes of deliberation is not inhibited. The purpose of the exemption is to ensure public officers have the freedom to express opinions frankly for the purposes of helping government make decisions. Ombudsman Sandy Hermiston says the exemption is not a blanket protection for everything discussed initially by government. She notes the FOI law clearly recognizes the need for public authority 
authorities to conduct candid and thorough discussions out of the public eye at times, but also says it does not mean that anything communicated, decided or remotely connected to those discussions can be withheld. In hearing 76, email conversations occurred between two members of the Civil Service Appeals Commission in preparation for a hearing. The members of the panel were acting in their official capacity and so therefore subject to FOI. However, the Ombudsman found the disclosure of those deliberative discussions would be likely to harm the frankness of future discussions and upheld the exemption. In hearing 77, the requested record showed the decisions of Cabinet regarding granting duty waivers to developers. This record contained no exchanges of viewpoints, only a general statement about the decisions that were made. It is unlikely the release of such a factual record would affect Cabinet's ability to discuss matters freely in the future, so the record was ordered to be released. Ms. Hermiston says the two cases illustrate the dual role of FOI and the Ombudsman's enforcement of it, first to hold government accountable for its actions, decisions and expenditures, and second to protect discussions during deliberations from public release if necessary. Reporting for Radio Cayman News, I'm Dion Anglin. For the full text of the rulings, visit ombudsman.ky. The Education Ministry is considering options for current scholarship recipients who are pursuing their academic studies. Radio Cayman's Carsley Fuller has more. On May 15th, Cabinet approved a temporary relaxation of scholarship requirements to allow scholarship recipients whose studies may have been affected by the COVID-19 virus and suspended from scholarship funding to continue to receive funding under the program in line with recommendations of the Education Council. These various categories of scholarships carry with them certain minimum criteria, including things like the achievement of a minimum grade point average and the undertaking of a minimum number of credits. Needless to say, the coronavirus pandemic has interrupted the studies of many local students and place them in limbo until further notice, in many cases affecting the student's ability to meet the requirements to receive funding as per their scholarship agreement. The Education Ministry says it has been decided that the scholarship requirements will be temporarily relaxed for one semester for all scholars, that's both local and overseas. However, for the next semester taken, the normal scholarship policies will stand and scholars will need to meet the normal academic requirements to continue to receive their funding. In addition, the University College of the Cayman Islands is set to develop and fund a program to support students who wish to pursue technical and vocational education training courses. Reporting for Radio Cayman News, I'm Carsley Fuller. World Oceans Day is on June 8th, and the Central Caribbean Marine Institute isn't letting COVID-19 get in the way, so the celebrations this time will go virtual with an online underwater exhibit and auction. We reached out to photographers who are members of our local community, residents, local business owners, and frequent visitors who have ties to the Cayman Islands to feature their amazing talent and also obviously the beautiful underwater environment um, that we have here. Beth Chafin, Science Communications and Development Manager at CCMI, says they want to provide positivity and education for the public. We wanted to highlight hope for our oceans and the beauty of the life underwater that um, surrounds the Cayman Islands and also marine life around the world. We'll have an online exhibition that will run from the 6th of June to the 6th of July, and the auction will run from the 6th of June through the 21st of June. All of the proceeds support CCMI's reef resiliency work. Visit reefresearch.org for more information. There are also a lineup of events and announcements for World Oceans Day, starting June 6th with a reef report.
And we'll also be sending out our Healthy Reefs report and report card, which is sort of a summary of some really important survey information that we do um, every year. So it's a great long-term record on the state of the reefs in the Cayman Islands. Ms. Chafin says a special webinar is also on the agenda. Local photographer and amazing ocean ambassador uh, Ellen Colliertz will be hosting a webinar and she's going to take you on a virtual trip and talk to the audience about the stories behind the shots and some of her amazing experiences um, and give some insight uh, for people that might be interested in pursuing a path like that themselves. The webinar takes place on June 11th. You're also encouraged to visit CCMI's Facebook and YouTube pages for World Oceans Day announcements starting at 10 a.m. on June 6th. Hello and welcome to another Child Month activity, the Teen Panel. The annual Teen Panel a bit different this year, embracing the new remote way of life in the face of COVID-19 suppression restrictions. This year's theme, Our Children, Today's Creation, Tomorrow's Masterpiece. And several teens participated in the discussion on how they're coping during this global pandemic. Do you think it is really necessary to stay at home to keep the spread of COVID-19 down? I think it is very necessary that we stay at home to keep COVID down so that we ensure that we can't pick, the, pick up the infection and that we can't give the infection to others. It is really important that we stay home during this time, not only for our own safety, but for the safety of the people around us. I think it's really critical to be able to do this as we are not working. I think in order to reduce the spread among the community and protect frontline workers, it's really important that we stay home. Cayman has an aging elderly population, which are higher at risk than and we are as a younger generation. Secondly, with higher community spread in the Cayman Islands, it will take a longer time to recover back to, to what would be norm normal. Absolutely do the most to minimize our movements and only visit pharmacies or supermarkets if absolutely necessary. You can watch the full panel discussion, which premiered Wednesday night on the CIGTV YouTube channel. For expats in Cayman, getting back to their home countries became a priority overnight during COVID-19. But that put many of them in a tough position when it came to their pets. Radio Cayman's Felicia Rankin-Solins has more on a woman who made helping get those pets home to their owners her personal mission. Canadian Nicole Poirier knew something had to be done once she learned Canadians repatriating were unable to take their pets back home. There wasn't any pets allowed on the flight, uh, my heart broke. So I dove into this and we gave people a full month and two to three and maybe even a few more extra bags and upwards of 55 animals were allowed to come on the plane. Ms. Poirier credits the help of social media, must love dogs and more for making the Noah's Ark project possible. The Canada Club in Cayman and the Real Women of Cayman. Between those two sites, I think the word really got out. The governor mentioned it in about four or five briefings, which super duper helped. And uh, of course, the Canadian consulate sent out a Roca message acknowledging the legitimacy of this flight. The 737-800 private charter flight brought many together again. We had 12 Caymanians and permanent residents come home and we had three pets come back to Caymanian pet owners and families. And then outbound, we had 92 guests and we had 22 pets going home with their owners. And I think the reuniting stories are the ones 
that were kind of the most powerful is like seeing um, Kylie and her dog Cora being reunited in the Toronto airport. I mean, it was on Canadian national news. For some, animals may be deemed unessential cargo. Miss Poirier thinks otherwise. These fur babies are not just um, utilities anymore. They are parts of our family. And I think we just really need to honor our animals. It's a responsibility. We need to care for them. Ms. Poirier has chosen to stay in Grand Cayman longer to assist with the next repatriation flight with her two cats, Muffin and Ollie, by her side. For Radio Cayman News, I'm Felicia Rankin-Solins. The next Noah's Ark project flight back to Canada is scheduled for July 13th. That is your latest local news from Radio Cayman's newsroom. I'm April Cummings.